Jump on your computer and check out TalkWithFrancesca.com for upcoming shows and other cool stuff. To chime in on any of our conversations, send me an email at info at TalkWithFrancesca.com. I'll repeat that email. It's info at TalkWithFrancesca.com. I love, love, love to hear from you as always. I've got some great questions again this week for our show today, so grab your coffee and let's get your day going. In about one hour, you're going to know a little bit more than you know now about women in confidence, so don't touch that dial. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. All right, let's just dive right in. Life with confidence can mean major league, but for the majority of women, it's in steady demand. But in a very short time, we're going to change all of that. Why do so few women, even women who have achieved unprecedented success, lack the self-assurance that drives many of their male colleagues? In The Confidence Code, The Science and Art of Self-Assurance, What Women Should Know, journalists Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman delve into this apparent issue and uncover some provocative truths. With me today is Claire Shipman, who is one of the authors and who was a correspondent for ABC News and Good Morning America. She has been the White House correspondent for NBC News, regularly reporting on presidential policy and politics for NBC Nightly News with Tom Brokaw and The Today Show, and worked at CNN for a decade, where she earned a National Headliners Award, among many other honors. Welcome, Claire. Thanks for joining us this morning on Talk with Francesca. Thanks for having me. Oh, you Love are your show. You're <laughs> welcome. This elusive nature of confidence, very, very interesting. In your book, The Confidence Code, you tap into some pretty cutting-edge research and draw on the experiences of um, notable women to answer some pretty intriguing questions about confidence. Um, Claire, in speaking with these dozens of accomplished women, you you kept bumping up against a dark spot that you couldn't quite identify. Women after women, from lawmakers to CEOs, expressed to you some version of the same feeling that they don't fully own their power. And, you know, some of the many super capable women you met and spoke with lacked a certain boldness, a firm belief in their abilities. Can you expound on that? You know, we were struck by, we, we had written a book a couple of years before that, Womenomics, and it was mm-hmm. about women in the workplace and a lot of the extraordinary successes that women are having. I mean, we see this now. Everybody seems to understand, finally, that mm-hmm. women at the top of companies mean more money and that there's more flexibility. Things are, are looking good in many ways for women in the workplace, not all. But we really did keep bumping up against this. We, we didn't know what it, we didn't really even know what it was. But this strange sense where incredibly successful women would say, this, "Well, I'm not really sure. I just got a promotion, but I'm not really sure I should accept it. I don't know if I'm up to the job, or I don't really know if I could do that job. I don't know if I should apply for that." Or we would hear the F word for uh, fraud, uh, the fraud <laughs> and, uh, syndrome. Fraud, the fraud syndrome is something we often. Um, recognize, and we thought, is there something to this, or is this just women, you know, talking a lot and may, putting ourselves down and not, you know, what, what is this? Is, is there data? And we were surprised. We dug in and found that there really is a significant amount of data that shows that women in the workplace, especially, don't have the same level of confidence in, in most cases that men do. And why? Why is that, Claire? A lot of reasons. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and first, I, but first, I will tell you that you know, the, the measure of it is it stretches over a lot of different elements. So you've probably seen some of the data on women not asking for more money, right? Mm-hmm. We we just don't negotiate at the start of our careers, the middle of our careers, and we end up on average earning thirty percent less, forty percent less than men in many cases. That's not always because over the course of a career we don't ask. There are a lot of other discrimination issues we face, but at the beginning of our career, there have been really interesting business school studies that show that women will routinely think they deserve to earn about 30% less than the men do. Really? We also found, yes. I think I deserve to earn 30% more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, right? I need that 30%. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't. Well, we, okay. we have, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm really still the primary breadwinner. In our <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't. I, that doesn't that isn't an issue with me. But but I know a lot of women do have that issue, and I mean that's something that they're obviously doing wrong. But did they learn that? Well, I think it's. I mean, but, and you see it with with applying for jobs. You'll, I think you'll appreciate this statistic. So Hewlett Packard did an internal review and found that in general, women in their company were applying for jobs or promotions, I should say, when they felt they had roughly 100% of the qualifications for the job. Men were happy to put their hands up at about 60%. Really? And Google has found the same thing recently and is now taking steps to fix that. But there's this sense that, and we saw this over and over in different ways, whether it was salary, promotion, um, a self-assessment of a performance on an exam, women are routinely undervaluing themselves. And, and why, right? We, we, right. Is there a gene? Is there, uh, what is it? it does, there have, does it have anything to do with genes? Yes, partly. We really? Were, now, I, you know something I felt like I, I felt like I already knew the answer to that question, which was going to be no, so I'm wrong. Okay. I know. <laughs> we did, too. We thought, let's, we've got to start at the beginning. We need to dig into what confidence is and where it comes from, and we thought we'll go into the science, but that will be a small part. Wow. Right. The science took us you know, nine months <laughs> to sort through because it's really all the stuff about genetics of personality now is really exploding. And there's just an enormous amount of cutting-edge research. And we found two things. One, confidence is probably at least 25% genetic, maybe up to 50% inherited. Uh, we did not expect to find that. So some of those people who you think they're just naturally confident, it's probably true that you can be born with a certain, like, confidence backbone, if you will. It's not one gene. There's not one confidence gene, and no women have it, and all men have it. There's, there's a cocktail of genes that we know of right now that really affect our confidence, and there are things that affect... Women in particular, you're saying? Well, yes and no. So some of the quote-unquote genes that affect confidence really have no gender differentiation. There's sort of equal opportunity, men and women. That one of them that affects our serotonin levels seems to be more um, powerful in women. So while men and women get the same genetic uh, g- genetic variant in this in the same numbers, it seems to have more of an impact on women. That's tied in, by the way, to some of the research on why women are more affected by depression. Um, but wow. the other thing that really affects women in confidence is something we all know about, and that's testosterone. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Men have, what, 10 times more of it on average pumping through their bodies, and it really boosts risk-taking. Oh, and no that kidding. Is, yeah, and that's something that is important for confidence. Now, it can also boost crazy levels of risk-taking, like we saw when you know financial markets collapse. So right. it's not always a good thing. But a bit of uh, a push, a propensity to take risks is, is really critical for confidence building. So, so there are some things, you know, ways in which our biology is different and really does affect our confidence levels at the outset. But, right. but here's the good news we found in the science, and that is that brain plasticity and all of the new research about how we can change our brains is, is huge for confidence, even at my advanced age. 51. I Did you say 51? Still... <laughs> oh, come on, at your advanced age. You know, I, I just keep saying it, really, because, you know, once I turned 50, I felt I really needed to embrace it. So I just, you do. everywhere I go. I... You do, and you should. Yeah, so I'm a confidently embracing Well, 50 51. is the new 40. What? Don't you know the 50 is the new 40? I think so, or okay, 30, just... really. Yeah, that's right? right. There you go. There you go. I like that even better. Go ahead. There you go. <laughs> okay. But it, um... It, we can change the way we, we think. Literally, we, we are changing the pathways in our brain. It's still possible. You know, everybody always thought, oh, you have to do it before you're eight, before you're five, when you're young. It's a little bit easier, but really, it, it, there are profound changes we can make by fairly simple changes of habit. And oh, that, so like, that's it, really relevant for confidence. So, Claire, am I understanding you correctly? Are you saying that in order to sort of tap into it, if you will, even later in life, um, you should be taking more action, maybe courting more risk, and that will help change that those pathways. Is that what I'm hearing you say? 
Yes, okay. that's exactly okay, right. You're, you're exactly right. That, okay. that, and, and here's what we found that was so interesting about confidence, too, is it's really linked to action. You can't really right. think your way to confidence. It's, the, the best definition we came up with was um, Dr. Richard Petty of Ohio State University said, confidence is the stuff that turns thoughts into action. And that yeah. that was just so clear for us. And we thought, wow, okay. Well, so often as women, we, we live in our minds and we mm-hmm. deliberate and we think and we go back and forth and we hesitate and we don't act. And confidence is what gives us that push mm-hmm. to get over the edge. But the wonderful thing is acting increases our confidence. So it's a virtuous circle. And the more we act, the more we risk and master and fail, the more experiences we build, that is what creates a, a wealth of confidence for us to rely upon the next time. You know what, Claire, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, when I was in my early 30s, I was working for a dating service, and it was sold, and, you know, just, I wasn't crazy about a lot of different things that were going on, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go out and, well, I just didn't just decide to go out and start my own thing. A friend of mine actually said, why don't you go start your own dating service? Of course, I thought she was nuts at the time. But, <laughs> you know, so I went out one afternoon, started looking at some office space, and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, this is a good price here, and so on and so forth, and and, and before you know it, I had opened up my own place, and Whenever I bump up against something difficult in my life, I remember that time. I think back that, you know what, I was in a tough situation and I made a decision and I went forward and I did it and I succeeded. And then years later, I ended up selling it. And so that action, that risk, that action really has stayed with me. And I really feel that it's, it has made a difference in my life as I get older, as I said, looking back and remembering that I was able to do it. And it has given me confidence to go forward in other areas of my life because I was able to accomplish that. I, I say, you know what? I did that. I can do this. You know, it's, that is so interesting. Oh, I wish we had had that story in our book. <laughs> We've, we I wish you had my story in your book, too. <laughs> I know. But we just found it. We found that with so many women who, who really, it's they refer back in their minds to, uh, we talked to some basketball players who were fantastic, who played for the Washington Mystics, and we thought, okay, they're going to be confident as all get out. They're just going to show us what this stuff is. And, of course, they have self-doubt, like the rest of us, and, mm-hmm. you know, sit on the bench and think, what? What did I do in my last game? I'm letting my fans down. And I thought, oh my goodness, here are these Amazonian, incredibly powerful, talented women. And and here we go know, again. I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But Crystal Langhorn, one of them said to said to me, I really thought I was going to have to to quit in my first season. I really wasn't playing well. And then she decided to just double down and practice, 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 practice. And she went into overdrive, practicing one shot. And she said, to this day. When she feels doubt, as she's in the middle of a game, am I going to make this? She's able to just remember, like, I've done this 800 times. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot does have to do with that. You know, a while back I interviewed Olga Korbach, the four-time um, Olympic yeah. gold medalist, and she was, you know, talking to me about practicing, practicing, practicing. I mean, you do have to focus. You do have to work. I mean, so much of it is really sweat. Uh, just If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking with Claire Shipman, who is one of the offers in The Confidence Code, The Science and Art of Self-Assurance, What Women Should Know. I'm, I'm curious, Claire, though, um, about something. What about those, about the women whose actions suggest boldness, yet they are quivering wrecks. I mean, you do see that. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking actually of, of a particular person that comes across very, very strong and very, very bold. And yet I know her and she really deep down inside is really, I don't think has the level of confidence that, that she purports or that she puts out there. And so I'm, I'm curious what you think of that. Well, a couple of things. First of all, this is, you know, one of the things we found, because so many people will say to us, but you two, you and your co-authors seem so successful. You know, you seem, and I'm, or I'm surrounded by so many women who are successful, and of course they're confident. And the fact is, success does not always mean you are fully confident. It's possible to become successful without being confident. And in fact, sometimes an incredible lack of confidence and self-esteem is ultimately what what drives people. Well, certainly, it's survival mode. I mean, if you grew up in a in a tough environment, 
you know, I mean, I, I have a friend who's, you know, um, you know, parents couldn't decide whether to pay the, the gas or the electric. And, and, and you know what? And he became a great success. So, you know, sometimes it's those those things that make a difference that can really it, it get is. you can can and, force you into a survival mode and become really driven. And of course, then the more driven you are and the more successful you are, the more confidence you become. So, but I guess that here's the and that's true. And sometimes you can jumpstart a process with by coming from a place that is about fear or doubt or or um, mm-hmm. you know just anxiety, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but it's not a really wonderful way to live. Right. If you're constantly in your head doubting yourself and right. questioning what you can achieve and over for example, I mean, and this is a small example, but so much of um, a female lack of confidence is often expressed not by a lack of success, but by massive amounts of over-preparation over, over and perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And this sense that we must do everything 1,000% right or we're not going to do it. And even Christine Lagarde, you know, the, the first female head of the IMF, who's just mm-hmm. a wonderfully authentic, confident woman, said, you know, this is one thing I do that I think does reflect a lack of confidence. I just over-prepare. I am not willing mm-hmm. to take, you know, to have any risk that I will be brought up short on anything. And we and we just were stunned. We thought, wow, even if you're Christine Lagarde, you do yeah. this. So said, it, yeah. So and, I, and I said, is there anything wrong with that? And she said, well, it's really time-consuming. Exactly. And I think that's exactly. what that gets to, is that, look, we could be, in many cases, we could be doing something else with that mental energy. And so it doesn't mean we're failures if we're not confident. It just means there might be a slightly pleasant way to to face the world and and to assess our own ability. So Claire, let me just check in with what you just said. Are you saying then that perfectionism can impede confidence? Yes. Okay. Okay. This was the other big breakthrough for us, for women and girls. So we talked about biology, genetics, and, and, you know, some of the other reasons we might lack confidence. But, of course, society is, has an impact. A lot of people have brought that up, that, yes, the playing field's not level. Yes, that's the reason we're not as confident as in, in the workplace, because mm-hmm. you know, we didn't build this workplace. But perfectionism is something that we found to be a key enemy to confidence. That's, and think of it this way. So for young girls, somebody, Carol Dweck told us about this, um, and, and just we were blown away. She's the author of Mindset. And mm-hmm. she said, if life were one long grade school, women would rule the world. <laughs> but the problem is, life is nothing like grade school or high school or college. And, and girls at a very young age really um, tap into this desire to be good and perfect that they feel from adults. We're not doing it consciously. In fact, girls these days are raised to just think they can do anything, and they achieve, and they overachieve. They overachieve. I mean, they're just knocking everything out of the park, and boys academically mm-hmm. are not doing as well. But what happens is they, they grow up without learning to fail and mess up, because from a very young age, they internalize this sort of, I'm the good girl, I'm getting everything right, I'm coloring within the lines, I'm being conscientious, I'm pleasing people, and that's what all the adults around me really seem to like, right? Who doesn't like that? I don't, I, you know, right. as a parent... Well, you know, it being Mother's Day weekend, you know, could we blame our parents? You know, it's, I hate to say it, but if it's not one thing, it's your mother, right? Right. (laughs) There's no shortage of information that women with less than loving mothers can really damage levels of of confidence. (laughs) I know, it's so true, the poor moms. And in fact, we, we came across, there was one part of our book we, you know, we studied people who were studying confidence in monkeys, and this wonderful researcher out at NIH, Steve Suomi, who's been studying monkeys for decades, and his research, again, all boils down to even even these monkeys who don't have great genes, right, for confidence, because he's been looking at genetics. If they're raised by wonderful mothers, they become just astoundingly confident monkeys. But we, we said, but is it just the mothers? Yes. It's not the fathers. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. Claire, you know, we're coming up against a break. We're going to, I've got some questions coming in um, uh, from the website. So uh, we're going to just take a quick break and we'll be right back. I am beautiful, no matter what they say. 
inconsistent academic skills. He was very disorganized. He suffered from anxiety. He had very low frustration tolerance, OCD types of behaviors. It's very hard to hear that your, your child has something not right with them and to not know what you can do. At Brain Balance, we tackle your child's learning, behavioral, or developmental challenge head-on by addressing the root cause, not just the symptoms. We integrate cognitive, sensory motor, and nutritional training into a customized drug-free program that provides lasting results. He's very proud now when he accomplishes things, and I feel like there's a sense of hope. He used to say, there's something wrong with my head, and now he just... His head works. <laughs> Find out how Brain Balance can help your child reach their full potential. Brain Balance Achievement Centers, where every kid connects with success. Need to refresh and renew after a long winter? Your home may need that too. Shed the cabin fever feeling your home has and bring that spring feel in. Professional interior designer Sue Rilovic of the Tristan Design Group will bring her 30 years of experience, expertise, and advice to your home. Call to schedule an affordable in-home consultation now, address your concerns, or let Sue's ideas flow and see where it can take your home. 603-285-3924. 603-285-3924. The Tristan Design Group. Your home of the future. Are you considering a career change? Have you ever considered real estate sales? With a little help from ABC Real Estate Training Institute, in a matter of a few weeks, you could be on your way to an exciting career in real estate sales. You decide how long it takes to get going. ABC Real Estate Training Institute has been teaching real estate and home inspection continuing education in Massachusetts and New Hampshire for over 15 years. Now that's credibility. Visit their website at ABC Real Estate Training training.com today or call 1-800-556-4455 and don't forget to ask about their boot camp class specials visit abcrealestatetraining.com now and don't waste another minute you'll be glad you did if you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I need to be somewhere that I can't take my little guy, I bring him to the Playful Pack in Ipswich. There isn't a thing that the Playful Pack doesn't provide to give your furry friend a great day of socializing. They even separate the small dogs from the big. What a relief that was for me. My little guy has a big personality, but he is still only 20 pounds, so I feel so much more comfortable with him playing with kids his own size. And at any time, I can open up the Playful Pack's webcam and see exactly what he's doing. Now that's that's maintaining control. Your pet will exercise, play, and rest in a safe, clean, and comfortable environment. So it's kind of a no-brainer whether you want to take your dog when you're not around. Visit theplayfulpack.com or call 978-356-3698 today. You'll be glad you did. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617 6733 or visit us at are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's restaurant guide, pastas without compare. And it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. Alright, we're back. You're listening to Talk with Franchise. I'm Claire Shipman, who is the author of The Confidence Code, The Science and Art of Self-Assurance, What Women Should Know. Welcome back, Claire. Thank you. Okay, I have some questions coming in from the website. I have a reader from Peabody. She says, it can be hard when there have been a number of losing streaks to be confident. Can you suggest a way to move beyond that? Yes. Oh, it, you know, it, it's it's it's, it, this is a tough balancing act because we talk a lot about the fact that you need to have failure and risk 
to build confidence because resilience is, is critical and we, we really need to experience resilience so that we will remember that and know how to handle future setbacks. But of course, sometimes it feels as though when you have failure after failure after failure, you just kind of want to crawl in your bed and pull the covers over your head. So one critical thing is that's very important, and this sounds so just trite, if you will, but you've got to try to physically somehow, whether it's writing or typing or just put, putting it visually in front of you, keep this in perspective. And, and you need to, you know, maybe put make it a list of what has just happened but the other good things that you see in your life that have happened before that or the things that matter more to you and try to put some of these things in perspective so that you're not thinking this is the entire arc of my life. You know, that's, it's, it's when we, but in that case, we need a little bit of serotonin for that. Otherwise, we can get into kind of a spiraling downward, right? Well, that's, and that's what's so tricky, and that's why I mean, Absolutely. you can stop yourself, and these are some of the techniques we talk about in our book with that, because women do ruminate much more than men, and that's the other real confidence killer, something we do to ourselves, not on, necessarily on purpose, but we have these negative automatic thoughts. They call them gnats, because mm-hmm. they buzz around. Oh, that's a good name our, for them, gnat. I like that. Gnat. Yeah, there's that net again. Yeah, not yes. to mention the time you waste, you know, on top of oh. being a confidence killer, it's a time waster. It's killing, and it, we call it killing the nets. And I mean, we do it. Look, we're not immune to this. I sit around, and I, I woke up this morning at 4 a.m., and, and here the, our, our book is so great, and it's going well. I woke up at 4 a.m. with about 500 negative thoughts through my head. Well, I've emailed somebody, and she didn't email me back. That probably means now they're really mad at me. And then this happened. And <laughs> I haven't signed my daughter up for soccer, and she's now she'll never be able to be an athlete. And for the next 10 years, you know, it spirals. It's, it's spiral, exactly. And you do. You do. I don't know, though, though. Would you call that actually ruminating or worrying? Yes. Or is it the same thing? It's ruminating. Well, it's ruminating because it's almost as though we're, you know, we're stewing over things mm-hmm. that that we just were marinating in them, and we don't need to be worrying. Sometimes is you know we are more worriers often than men. Sometimes that's legitimate, but ruminating is when we really we ought to be able to let go of it. And you know, one neuroscientist we talked to, who's just a brilliant woman, who herself used to, she said she'd take the bus home every day and go over a list in her head of everything she'd done badly that day. Oh my gosh! Realized because she understands the science of brain plasticity that Mm -hmm. she tries to think of three good things for every one bad thing. Now she counters them, and if you can even give yourself one alternative explanation, yes, I just failed it, and I don't know what the person who was writing in was, you know, talking about, but I just failed at this. But then say, but in fact, I have something else going on, or Mm -hmm. but. Right. Actually, that's not going. And if you give yourself almost as though you have an opposing attorney in your head, mm-hmm. and you're giving yourself another point of view, that literally stops the spiraling. The so other, Claire, try the, that. Claire, the other thing is though, don't you think? Or, or I shouldn't say don't you think. I, I don't know if you think this or not, but mm-hmm. I seem to think that men are able to compartmentalize better than women. Um, oh, is is yeah, that is that are. true, or is that just I'm dreaming that up? No, no. It's true, and what's so interesting about that is that now with all of this brain science, and I have to be careful because it's, you know, we know a lot about brain science, but we don't know everything, and there are always new studies, but what they're seeing on these scans and through all these different ways of scanning the brain is physical evidence for the way men use their brains differently. The, The connective tissue that we have in our brains is quite different. We have a lot more white matter in our brains, which deals with connecting things back and forth and multitasking. We often put, we're, we access the emotional centers of our brain for almost everything we do. We put emotional value on things. Men don't. And they're starting to see this in the, the way our brains work. It's fascinating. Well, in the way a, a man and a, a woman in a relationship, which of course is another entirely other 
topic, but the way they interact, if there's a problem, and the guy can just shut it down and just say, I'm going to go out and play basketball or do whatever, and the woman's staying home, ruminating, obsessing. How can he think that way? That's being, you know what I'm saying? So it's funny. But um, let's talk a little bit of the, about the idea of failing fast. You had talked about that um, in your book. Can you explain to our listening audience what that means exactly? <laughs> because Caddy and I, one of our tech friends told us about this phrase. It's a business techie buzz phrase called failing fast. And he said, this is really what you know, women should focus on. And at first we were, of course, aghast because we thought, you know, women don't want to fail. <laughs> like, right. you kidding me? We don't want to fail. But what, it, what it's all about is the notion that in our economy today and in the way, the way business works, that gotta, you have to rack up failures to be at all credible. Because if you're not failing, you're not learning. And it means you're just you're moving too slowly. Nobody has time to wait until you know uh, five years until an idea is perfect. You got to test. You've, you have to test run your prototypes right away. And yes, you'll have failures, and you learn from them and move on. And we really think that's a great hopefully, paradigm. Hopefully, that's the key word there. Hopefully, we'll learn from them, right? Well, yes. If you're not learning from failures, they're they're not useful, uh, really. I mean, you've got to use them and learn from them, and not every failure is going to have incredible lessons, but usually they do. And, and women need to understand that failure is part of success. And if we can start to see, not only is it okay to fail, but it's required. We should embrace it. We should use it to our advantage. Uh, that makes it, you know, we get out of our perfectionism a little bit and say, okay, I'm going to take that risk. But you know what? But making mistakes, Claire, and taking risks is behavior that's critical to confidence building, yes, um, but the be- um, this one, this behavior women have been taught to avoid uh, to their detriment, right? I mean, oh, well, that's, but see, that, and that's exactly what we're talking about. So we have this crop of young women about to graduate, never more stellar and prepared than, you know, right now, right? Graduating all over the country from colleges, and they haven't... <laughs> They have, in some ways, learned many of the wrong lessons. I mean, really, in terms of what works in the real world, it's about, you know, sometimes you got to turn in things that aren't quite ready. Sometimes you have to put your hand up for the job you don't think you can do, but no, I'll learn it. I knew and, working you know, off the seat of my pants was going to be worth it one day. <laughs> right. I, I, when I had my bit. Business. I did not do a business plan. As many people thought I was crazy. It's like I don't have time for a business plan. Of course, right. I, that might be a little crazy, but well, <laughs> um, but I worked. Yeah, um, Claire, I, I have a question about you know this new psychology positivity that you know so many right. people talk about. I mean, for a while I was getting tons of emails from authors wanting to talk about their books on the topic. Um, what's your take on its relationship to confidence? Well, it's it's quite directly related. So you're right. The whole the field of positive psychology is just as you know, really been booming in the last decade or mm-hmm. two. And yep. so there's so much research on optimism and and a, a little bit of mostly optimism, some on confidence. And then there's even a new sort of tenant, a new part of this field people are starting to study called self compassion, which oh, yeah. I find really interesting. It's kind of kind of Buddhist, but it's also, there's a, there's a woman down in Texas who's done some real research on it that shows that it's, it's, it's very helpful. And what I think is interesting about it all is, look, for so long, all we studied in science was disease and things that were wrong with us and mm-hmm. syndromes and anxiety and depression and, you know, and, and the notion that we should actually study the things that help us live fruitful lives mm-hmm. <laughs> is kind of new. But it's, it's valuable, and what I think that is so interesting that many of these positive psychologists are discovering, it's, it all, it's all the same, that life experience and, and resilience, trying things, failing, recovering, you know, there's an element of work. Accepting, and, accepting and, yes, yourself and, as ex- you are, yeah. Accepting, that's a, the self-compassion, accepting that, of course, you know, nothing is perfect, and this is part of humanity, um, but but there's just an element of that, that, that there are things you can do about the way you think and fail, which I find mm-hmm. exciting. No, and there's absolutely. great research to it. I, I have it, uh, I have another question here. Dan from Brighton would like to know: Do you think accountability affects confidence? Um, let's see. 
Yeah. Do we th do yeah. I think what affects confidence? Do you think accountability affects confidence? I'm not sure what that question actually means. Well, I I think that it's interesting. I mean, I certainly think needing to be accountable and responsible for things certainly does inspire some. I mean, it it, it does force people into a position of needing Action. to do. Yeah, right? yeah actually, to, right. And if you do, and then there goes your your opportunity to make your mistakes and risk. It's interesting. I would hmm. like to investigate. I think it's been an interesting point because. I saw this in one of our blogs the other day. Somebody responded saying I, that, that they think women, for whatever reason, often want to avoid having to be responsible for things. And in some ways, obviously, we're responsible for God knows everything and much of our lives. But um, And I wonder about that link, and it's something I had marked on myself hmm. to investigate further. But I do think that, you know, direct line, authority, accountability, responsibility is, is actually an invigorating thing for men and women. Well, I do too, but there, I still think there's a little bit of that Cinderella complex out there, don't you? I guess you're right. I mean, I, I, certainly there probably is. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to escape the, I don't know, media... Yeah. The stories, yeah. the stories, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I know more, more than a few pretty high-powered women who think of themselves as imposters, um, you know, like they're going to be found out. Um, what, can you talk a little bit about this fraud syndrome? You know, it's, it's interesting because that's, of course, what we, what we felt was part of this confidence gap in the first place. And it, there's one woman who gave us a very counterintuitive take on it, Peggy McIntosh. Who oh, the, yes. Yes, you know yes, Peggy? yes. I, yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, yes, I do. Go ahead. She's, yes, she's fantastic at Wellesley. And yes. she said, look, she studied this kind of stuff for decades. And she said, women are right to feel like imposters. We would be stupid if we didn't because we are all traipsing off to make ourselves fit into this environment that we didn't design and that is not natural to us. And the rules of behavior aren't one the rules we would establish. And so and, and and what she's saying too also plays in a way into the whole notion of stereotype threat, which is heavily studied now, which is that when you are in a minority in a situation and there's already a stereotype about that minority, it affects your performance and your confidence most definitely. So in a way recognizing that is means we're being smart. But but Peggy's take on all of this is just understand it and understand the reasons behind it and acknowledging it at least makes it clear it's not personal but it's not, it's natural that we feel that way and now let's move on and do what we can do about it you know this is very funny because i was talking to a upcoming guest yesterday just yesterday and i was looking reading a little bit of your book the night before and um he started the conversation, you know, very uh, full of compliments and wow, you've accomplished a great deal in your life and, and, you know, it was just but really sincere and I kind of was squirming. I was driving in my car and I, I didn't kind of know what to say. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and I, I found myself defending my, I don't know if defending is really the right word, but um, kind of downplaying what he was saying and I thought about that afterwards and thought now why did I do that why was I you know and I don't know I was I was curious whether if this were a woman saying this to me whether I would be doing that same thing you, you know do you follow what I'm saying you know I think we all squirm. I don't think it matters whether men or women give us compliments we are always uncomfortable with compliments don't you think I think we and, and women, we're, we're always looking for ways to deflect them and say, oh, not really. Got to work I'm, on those faulty confidence meters, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I was just lucky. We, I don't know. And, and it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had to. Well, you know, oh, yeah, I had to uh, work my way up and, you know, and <laughs> but I found myself explaining myself. I guess that's the best way to put it. And I felt afterwards like mm, maybe i should label my strengths more but you know well or or just say and we say this in the book just try saying thank you yeah it's, exactly. it's, it's hard to even just say thank you but it i actually think it makes and for women this is important to think about i think it makes the person who's giving you the compliments feel good 
Why are they saying, no, 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 that's not really me. Um, you know, so Claire, practically speaking, you know, it's like, it's almost like when in doubt act and, or, or that's what I'm, I'm getting from this. And, but my argument would be, don't be too impulsive, you, you know, um, the other side of that coin, because I, I can tend to be that way myself. And in some ways it's worked for me, but it can also work against me. What, how, how do you know when to act and when and when to know you're being impulsive? Um, you know, when you start talking about taking risks, that kind of thing, it, that's kind of a, a tricky one there. When I read that, I was like, hmm. You know, well, uh, look, I think that... I mean, did I read that have... right? When in doubt, act. Is that what you said? Yes, we do say that, and here's why we say that. Because we think, you know, would, would, would we say that to a woman who's already impulsive? No, probably not. But I guess we're speaking to 95% of womanhood um, who, who we think probably could use a little bit of a push. And so we do not think women should rush immediately to act like men on testosterone. Or You know, <laughs> there have been great studies about what this sort of herd mentality and taking risks that are too big and what all of that reeks. Mm -hmm. And certainly what women bring to the table now, it's finally recognized that the fact that we are somewhat more cautious, the fact that we are deliberative, the fact that we are conciliatory and we look for solutions together, that's actually incredibly valuable stuff. People get that. So mm -hmm. we don't want to lose those instincts, but what we, we want to just tweak and say, spend less time ruminating and, you know, act because chances are that, you know, whatever we're, we're doubting, it's just we're off, that mm -hmm. it would be fine. You know, we're, we're so full of doubt that we're misjudging ourselves. Well, you share in your book that if there's only one thing to remember from the Confidence Code, it's, it is to take action. And mm -hmm. if you're really not ready, I mean, do you think that, like, by simply faking it, you'll fake it till you make it? flies. I'm not really, I'm not quite, I think to some degree, I believe, I, I believe that in some ways. I mean, I think, you know, let's face it, if you walk into a party and you're feeling a little uncomfortable, um, you're not going to stand up against the wall and say, oh, I feel really uncomfortable. I feel insecure. I feel anxious or whatever else. I mean, but so, I mean, if, if you're someone maybe with social anxiety, I'm kind of veering off here, but you know, faking it a little bit might be a good thing, but overall, the old fake it till you make it, I don't think it really flies, do you? We found, in fact, that fake it till you make it is not a great way to think about acting for women. It, yeah. it, it may result in the same thing in that, of course, sometimes people just need to, to jumpstart themselves, but you can't really begin yeah. the process of building more confidence unless you're going to take a risk and, and sort of you need a boost. And so that's what I think the fake it till you make it, obviously, it's like the jump starter. But when women are consciously telling themselves, researchers have told us this, that, okay, mm. I'm just going to go in there and fake it, yeah. we feel even more like frauds. So yeah, I think so. Of, yeah, instead of saying you're going to fake it, understand that it's natural that you feel nervous, but you're going to very deliberately take action, mm -hmm. you know, that you don't need to be trying to fake anything. You just have to plan, I'm nervous and I'm scared and I'm going to take action. I'm going to be brave in the face of that and then start the process that way. So here, Renee from Whitman would like to know, how do you know when you're being unrealistic or too positive or confident about a situation? Well, look, it's funny. A little too much bravado there, huh? Too much bravado. Yeah. Well, you know, men tend to be, from a lot of the research we've found, um, overconfident, right? Men tend to overestimate their abilities. Women tend to underestimate. Um, but that's not a, you know, it's not absolute. Um, one, um, one, one incredibly interesting researcher who studies confidence in rats, Adam Capex at um, mm -hmm. Cold Spring Harbor Labs, told us, and it was a great way to describe it, that confidence really should be a very useful kind of compass for our lives, and it should be, it should help us make good decisions and decisions that are in line with our best interests, right? Yeah, it should be like a, use, a useful gauge for us, a way to measure whether we're making good decisions or not. And, um, and so, in, in a way, you have to fine-tune that, and you have to be able to use your confidence to, to sort of help you make good decisions. And so, I would say that 
if you if you found that you're constantly jumping into things where you really aren't prepared and the consequences have been problematic, then that's that's a lesson to you. Absolutely. And in, in most people, that will temper their right. confidence because there will have been consequences. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking with Claire Shipman, who is one of the authors of authors of The Confidence Code, The Science and Art of Self-Assurance, What Women Should Know. Claire, fear. I'd like to talk about that for, for a bit. It plays a big part in confidence, wouldn't you say? Fear of risk and fear of failure is, is profound for women. Again, it's, the, you know, it's the, all a piece of the perfectionism that we carry with us. So we really, I, it's, it's a fear, it's just an outsized fear of something that I, I'm not even sure we're, we're aware of. Well, you know, th- why we fear failure so much is just, it's, you know, it, again, maybe it comes from that early ch- childhood conditioning. Being that, judged, being liked. You know, mm-hmm. um, th- one of my favorite expressions by Eleanor Roosevelt is we gain strength and courage and confidence by each experience in which we really stop to look fear in the face. We must do the thing which we think we cannot do. Well, whenever I don't want to do something, I read that quote, you know, and I hate it because it forces me to do the thing that I feel that I can't do or I don't want to do. But right. it, it usually, I mean, I think fear and confidence, I mean, they kind of go hand in hand. If you, if you are fearful, then it, it stops you from, from being more confident. It does. And, and But again, uh, some fear of situations can be natural. And, and good, cases, and good to be fearful, right? It's good. It can be smart. I mean, there's a reason why we, we can be fearful, but I think we just have to recognize as women whether we have an outsized fear of certain kinds of failure or falling short of a mark, and, and that it's really not relevant mm-hmm. to our daily lives. Another question here. June from Marshville would like to know, is confidence affected by the people you socialize with? I wish my friends were more positive, and sometimes I feel that showing my confidence makes me less likable. Mm. That's so interesting. I yeah. do think we, we hear from women that sometimes they feel, especially with other women, that women are unable to cope with their confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think hmm. there may be some truth to that in that Sometimes there is a code, just just as when you were talking about um, you know, getting a compliment, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a code that women have where everybody expects that when you say, oh, I love that shirt, that you're supposed to say, oh, thanks, it was $10 and I found it at a yard sale. Or, oh, no, you can't mean that. Or Gee, that there's, this, there's a way we're supposed to behave, which is a little bit self-deprecating. And when women aren't following that exactly, it's surprising to us. And, you know, we often don't know how to handle it. So, oh, yeah, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, confident I, I, women sometimes are, are not liked by other women. But I, I will say that there's also, we are very good, according to some researchers we talked to, at, at judging people who are just full of false bravado and false confidence. We may not know it. In other words, we may not be aware of it. But the, the the tells, the very subtle tells, infiltrate our brains, and we can read that. And so I think, you know, people will get, they won't react well to bravado at all. But I do think that there are certain people who, they're not comfortable. They like to bring people down. They like to focus on the negative. And absolutely, being around people like that is, is just draining of mm-hmm your energy. And so that is something we all have to think a lot about. Psychological vampires. Okay, so, yeah. so let's have our, let's bring out our confidence GPS. We have about five minutes left. Where do we go from here? Any do's and don'ts you can share? Yes. Well, I think it's, first of all, one thing we found really popular and really useful, we created a confidence assessment, and oh. it's on our website. Yeah, it's on the, theconfidencecode.com, and we, we did it with these psychologists who were fantastically helpful, and we found... We thought maybe a thousand people would take it if we were lucky. We've had more than forty thousand people take this. That's got to be building out. your self confidence, Claire. It's building our confidence, and it's it's really helping us create a confidence database about. So we'll be able to break down confidence in women by age, by profession, by you know geography. It's going to be very interesting, and it also and exciting. Give everybody, yeah, it gives people a sense of where they stand in terms of. Um, 
confidence level. So people should check that out. Confidence www.confidencecode or the confidence code? The, the confidence code.com. The confidence code.com. Okay, fantastic. From Fearful to Fierce, Claire Shipman, author of The Confidence Code. I just want to end with why would should someone buy your book? Now, come on, where's that confidence? I want to hear it. Well, we feel very strongly <laughs> that our book is doesn't just give you the how-to, how to get more confident, which it does, and it tells you everything we've learned about that, and there are very concrete ways to build, build your confidence, but it helps all of us understand why we are where we are, and I think Katty and I just both believe negative or positive that knowledge is power, and I think it really empowers women to to understand what's happening with our brains. Oh, absolutely. I, I really do. I, I think so, too. I think the more knowledge you have, the, the better off you are. And so you have given us oodles of great information. Claire Shipman, thanks so much for being on Talk oh, with Francesca today. Thanks, Francesca. It was, a, it was really a pleasure. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye. Oh, why does the time go so fast? As usual, we've got to wrap things up. Thanks for listening. Thank you to my awesome producers, Brian and Pete. Keep your questions coming. Write to me and let me know what's on your mind. Make it a fantastic week and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. See you next week. I pray she finds your light and hope her heart as darkness falls each night remind her where you are every mother's prayer every child Got her with your grace Give her faith so shall we say Lead her to a place Got her with your grace To a place where she'll be Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. I have the time. The preceding was a sponsored program. The views and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of this station or its management.